Lecture topic, Maintaining the Muslim Identity. Alhamdulillahi wa kafa wa salatu wa salamu ala ibadihi al-lazeen astafa. Amma ba'du fa'audhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu attaqullaha wa kunu ma'as sadiqeen. وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم لتتبعن سنن من قبلكم شبرا بشبر وذراعا بذراع حتى لو دخلوا جحر ضب تبعتموهم قلنا يا رسول الله آل يهود والنصارى قال فمن او كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم respected students of deen mothers and sisters Among the lessons that we discuss often is the aspect of maintaining our identity. What identity? So the identity obviously is the identity of Islam that is our most important aspect in life. whether somebody has some other secondary identities but that's not what matters and counts it is what is his main identity for example somebody comes from a certain place so somebody is a south african that's part of his identity but now if you're talking to somebody in durban and you ask the person where are you from and he says i am from south africa so you got to look at him very strangely that we are standing here in durban and he is saying he is from south africa he would be saying now that i am from durban i am from johannesburg i am from somewhere because he is in south africa now so while in south africa you don't talk about that i am from south africa but if this was somewhere overseas then you would talk about the broader aspect and say that i am from south africa So the thing is now when in South Africa you talk about what is the more important part of the identification. And now if two people who are from Durban both know each other that they are from Durban. But now somebody is asking the other that where are you from and he says I'm from Durban. Durban is a big place. Where about in Durban? We know you are in Durban. But which part of Durban? So that becomes the more important part. So therefore a person doesn't just link himself to anything and everything all the time when there is a need for something specific then that will be mentioned but otherwise it is the most important part of the identification that is relevant at the time that is mentioned so likewise in terms of our life in terms of our life the most important thing in a person's life is his iman and the reality of this will open out to everybody muslim and non muslim on the day of qiyamah because allah taala has declared faman zuhziha anin nari wa udkhila aljannata faqad faz the one who has been saved from the fire of jahannam and has been entered into jannat such a person has succeeded so those who have iman will enter jannat 
and those who have no iman will never enter Jannat. They will be perpetually forever in the fire of Jahannam. So on that day it will become very clear to every single person that the most important thing was iman. Without iman, everything else was of no avail, no benefit. So as far as our life is concerned, our most important identification is with Iman and Islam. So now who are we? It's not who are we in terms of whether we are some somebody is a professional, somebody is a student, somebody is something else. No, we are mu'mineen, we are believers, we are Muslims. And that is the most important part of our life. We have been blessed with Iman. Now the aspect is to guard this, to protect it. Now just to understand this very, very easily from one example. This is just a very general example, but we understand a very important lesson from this. Once there was a disaster it was perhaps during the time of the tsunami which happened some good years back it was perhaps around 2007 or whenever it happened so during that time there, were, there was large scale destruction in many countries among the countries was Sri Lanka and also some other neighboring countries. So some of the areas that were very, very seriously affected, many people had lost their lives. There were some areas where there were Muslims and non-Muslims there, living there. And this place was wiped out. Thousands of people lost their lives. Now people had to attend to the necessary after the flood subsided. People had to do what was necessary. So now the necessary thing immediately was that those who have survived to take care of them now, pull out the survivors. And then together with that, those who have passed away, now to bury them. Now among the compulsory aspects, it's a right of a Muslim and compulsory upon the Ummah, upon the community, the Muslim community, that if somebody has passed away, to give the ghusl to the Mayyid and perform the Janazah Salah and then bury the Mayyid in the proper manner, this is farz kifaya It is a farz upon the community in general. If some sufficient number of people take care of it, Everybody will be absolved of the obligation. All will be now fine. Nobody will be taken to task. Otherwise, if nobody did it, everybody will be sinful. So now, therefore, this is a very important task. It's for zakifaya, it has to be done. So now immediately the Muslims also knew that there were Muslims living in this area. They came now to attend to the necessary, attend to now giving the Besides now first to take care of the survivors, but then who has passed away to now give the ghusl, kafan, the janazah salah, the Islamic burial. 
But now the problem was that there were numerous people who had lost their lives in those floods, but there was no way of identifying that is this a Muslim or not a Muslim, because they were all looking the same, meaning no sign of Islam on a person in terms of the outward dressing, in terms of the appearance of a person, there was no sign. So the unfortunate thing that happened is, wherever they could make out somebody, or somebody knew someone by chance, some identification, because the people all living in those areas, 99% all passed away. Or if maybe a little lesser, but those who had survived were now seriously injured and whatever else, they were not available to now come and identify. So others had to now do this job. And they didn't know the people personally, so now they had to start guessing. And now this, if it's one, two, five people, there's still one story, but now when there's thousands, so those they could identify in some way, they claimed the body, so to say, and they gave the Islamic burial after having done the necessary, the ghusl, kafan, etc. But unfortunately, the chances are, and this is what was felt, that there were many, many people who would have probably been Muslims, but because the Muslims couldn't show any sign of this person or, or say that I know this person, there was nobody to identify and they couldn't show any sign of Islam on the person. As a result, the person was not given a Muslim burial because the bodies were not released to the Muslims and they were buried in the non-Muslim Qabristan without any of the rights of the Ghusl, Kafan, Janazah, Salah, etc. being fulfilled. Now what a tragedy this is that a person now could have been buried in the correct manner, but was deprived of that, due to having totally lost the external identity of a Muslim. Now this might seem to be something which will happen somewhere, one part of the world, but that one part of the world, whoever it was there, they are also, and we are also, our Muslim brothers and sisters. But due to the weakness, Unfortunately, this became the end result. If one just thinks about this, Allah Ta'ala protect us, Allah save us, Allah Ta'ala protect our Iman, Allah Ta'ala protect us, and take us with complete and perfect Iman, and raise us on the day of Qiyamah with Iman. But if somebody there was our close family member, for example, what would, and now we are finally informed, that look, there was nothing that could be done, we don't know the person, the person was just buried uh, by anybody else and what would go through somebody's heart? Now this is the tragic end result of losing one's identity. Now this is one aspect, there's so many more things and even more severe and serious. But just for, this is a real life incident for us to understand that what is the importance of maintaining our identity as Muslims. Now this identity is not confined to any one aspect. It is a broad aspect which covers everything in life. There's a identity that is apparent and very clear when a Muslim is conducting himself. You can see there's a Muslim. More apparent than that is the person's attire, the person's appearance. Now somebody is dressed as a Muslim, 
nobody has to guess. Now, if somebody, for example, it's a male, and now he's dressed in Islamic garb, in, a, in the Islamic libas, he's dressed in kurta, he has a beard, he's wearing a topi, you would never have heard somebody asking such a person, they don't know him, he's a stranger, now he's walking in some place where some other Muslim comes up, and the other Muslim asks him, uh, who are you, are you a Muslim? That never has happened. Maybe some non-Muslim who's never seen a Muslim before, and he sees this person and finds him looking different, so now he wants to know who's he. So now this person who has never come into contact with Muslims perhaps, so all thing nowadays everybody has seen a Muslim somewhere, he may ask him that, where do you come from, why are you dressed like this? So he will say, now I'm a Muslim, I'm dressing in this manner because this is what our deen has taught us. Our Rasulullah this was his way of life. But a Muslim coming up and asking another Muslim dressed in this manner, are you a Muslim? A woman is wearing a cloak, a niqab, and it's obvious now, this is a Muslim woman. You didn't see another or never heard of another Muslim asking her, are you a Muslim? So now, what gave this, why this never happens? Because of the person's external identity. Now this is identifying oneself as a Muslim. When a person is externally identified as a Muslim, this impacts on the internal side as well. The main thing is what is inside, obviously. Iman, Iman is inside the heart. A person can be dressed as a Muslim, but can have nifaq in his heart. He can be a hypocrite. In the time of Rasulullah there were people who appeared to be among the Muslims, but they were hypocrites, they were munafiqeen. Even now this happens. So that can happen, that inside a person is something else, but externally he's just pretending to be a Muslim, he's just dressed up like a Muslim, it happens. So that is a separate matter, that is, these are munafiqeen. We are talking about a person who is a Muslim. Now the person who is a Muslim, but he is wearing something that is not part of Islam. So he is wearing and dressing himself up in the ways of people who are not people of Iman, people of Islam. They have a separate way of life. Their manner of dressing is something else. Their ways, of, ways and customs are different. Now this person, though he has Iman, but he's adopting those ways, those customs, that appearance, that attire. This has an impact on his internal self, on his heart. It will have an impact. We've given the example previously that this impact is very easily visible on a child. The impact of clothing, the impact of attire is very easily visible on a child. What is the impact? Dress a child up, young boy, maybe three years old, four years old, make him wear one kurta, one turban, maybe one jubba also, and you might see him now pretending to be the imam. And he's pretending to perform salah somewhere, because he's seen somebody perform salah. You'll see him pretending to be reciting Quran Sharif. He may not be able to read anything, but he saw somebody reciting Quran Sharif, You'll see such a child do these things and now he's suddenly been dressed up. So maybe after a while he'll forget about how he appears, but while he's still conscious of it, you'll see this happening. 
But if you dress a child up as a, for example, a police officer, you won't generally find the child because he was now suddenly dressed in some uniform, now he knows what the police is all about. And now he's dressed in what resembles a police uniform. So you'll see this child running around pretending to be shooting somebody or chasing someone if he knows what the police is all about. But you won't find this child suddenly pretending to be the Imam. That you won't find. I doubt anybody has seen that happen. That a child, because of the clothing he was made to wear, he felt he needs to pretend to be the Imam now. Or pretend to be performing Salah because of the clothing that he has been dressed in. You'll find that child behaving in that manner. And if a child knows what a clown about, and he was dressed in a clown's clothing and costume, you'll see him behaving like a clown as well. If he knows what's a clown about. Now, all this is the impact of the clothing. Let alone these things, there has been some research done that doctors, when they come to see a patient. Now the patient is now going to be examined by the doctor. So now the doctor came dressed in his white coat. So they found that sometimes this itself has an impact on the patient's pressure as an adult person. And now just because now the doctor is checking the pressure, the pressure went up. And they found when somebody not dressed as a doctor, the person might be a doctor, might not just be some assistant or something, check the pressure up, it was different. Research found that that white coat, they call it white coat pressure. They have some kind of terminology for it, the white coat effect. Now the white coat the doctor is wearing, not the person, not the patient. But what the doctor is wearing is also having an impact on somebody else. So it must have an impact on the doctor also. That's why they had advised that the doctor should wear the white coat because he'll behave more like a doctor. And if he's just like somebody on the street, he might cut corners. Now all this is on a very generalized note about things that clothing, the impact it has on a person. Now this is not just something from some guesswork. This is what the modern day research is coming to the same conclusion that the appearance, the attire is having an impact on a person's thoughts, on a person's behavior on a person's manner. So when this is how impacting it is, and as we discussed right at the beginning, that the most important thing in our lives is our Iman. So now what is the need in terms of the identity? What kind of identity we must maintain at all times? Obviously an identity that identifies ourselves with our deen. An identity that identifies ourselves as Ummatis of Rasulullah Now there is obviously some relaxation of the extent of uh, covering within the home in the presence of Bahrams for example. And if a person is going to be emerging outdoors out of necessity, then there is a different level of attire and covering that is necessary when emerging outdoors out of necessity. 
For example, there is no niqab required in the home in front of the in front of mahrams. But that is a necessity if emerging outdoors or going to be in the presence of mahrams, uh, non-mahrams anyway. So there is a difference in this. But despite this difference, there is no difference about identity. That in the home also, with the relaxation, the identity of a Muslim must not be compromised in the sense that if that person had to suddenly be brought in that manner in the presence of some strangers, some strange woman, and ask that, who you think this is? And the chances are they might say, well, perhaps, we don't know, maybe she comes from Israel, maybe, maybe New York, we don't know. Meaning, we don't know, it's a Yehudiya, the Nasraniya, who is this? Because of the way she is dressed, in the jeans, in the t-shirt, in the attire of the West, in that kind of tops and pants, and uh, her only uh, story is, well, I'm indoors, but what about the identity? And is this not having an impact on the heart? See, the very important thing that we have to always bear in mind, that the heart is the most important issue, and when the most crucial time is going to come, is going to be only the heart. Right now, we'll have some things on our tongue, we'll have, mashallah, the kalima also on our, on our tongue, we'll have the name of Allah Ta'ala on our tongue, we'll have some good uh, talks on our tongue, we will, and not that this is just lip service, we, we are doing it sincerely maybe, not maybe, inshallah, we are doing it sincerely, making zikr also, we are reciting Quran Sharif, we are uh, advising something good, and likewise, other aspects. But, what is deep down in the heart? When it is the most crucial moment, that is what will really emerge. And the most crucial moment is the time of death. There's that example that is given about the person who, very often we've discussed this example, the person who had uh, trained his parrot to recite the kalima. So now, mashallah, that parrot recites the kalima, people used to come around and listen to it. Very fascinated, this parrot is reciting the kalima so beautifully. Now one day the parrot got left loose from the cage. So it was now walking around on the floor. Perhaps his wings were clipped, so he's walking around on the floor. But now, while he's walking around the floor, the cat saw it. And the cat was waiting all these years now, seeing it in the cage but couldn't get to it. Now suddenly he saw its chance and it pounced. And it grabbed it within its jaws, within its teeth now are closing, the jaws are closing in onto the neck of the parrot. Now when the jaws were closing in on the neck of the parrot, the squawking sound started. And he carried on squawking and squawking, that terrible squawking sound, and finally got killed like that. His life went while squawking. Now the Mashaikh used this example and explained that, look, the tongue, the beak of that parrot could recite the kalima very beautifully. But when the crucial time of death came, what was in the nature and the real thing inside that parrot was the squawking sound. That kalima was just on the lip, on just on the, on the beak, it was just outside. So that time the inside came out. The inside of the parrot was a squawk. 
There was no reality of kalima in that period. So likewise, if externally we are adopting adopting out of choice an identity that doesn't belong to Islam, an identity that belongs to the Yahud and Nasara, an identity of people that are far away from Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, from people who don't believe in Allah Taala, don't believe in Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam, their styles, their fashions, their ways. And now we out of choice. And choice meaning really choosing. No, no, this one I want. I would want that one also. So now that's now a choice that's emanating from where? A person doesn't choose with their eyes. person does not choose with their eyes. It seemed like I looked at this, looked at that and looked at that and now chose the first option or chose the second option. So I chose by looking. No, no. That doesn't happen by the eyes. The eyes merely are the guide to inspect something. The eyes are the means or the, or the tools to inspect something, to look at it, to uh, try and gauge now what is here, what is the color, what is the shape, what is the size, what is the design. But the choice, the choice is by the heart. The heart chooses. The eyes don't choose. So if the hand has picked something, it is because the heart chose it. When there were options, the hand picked up something. Now you have a variety of foods in front of you. And now you looked at it, so your eyes looked. And then your hand went forward and your hand picked it. But why? Because your heart desired that particular aspect, not the others. Now there's five things presented there. You chose one because that is what your heart desired. So a person doesn't choose by their eyes. They don't choose by their hands. They choose by their hearts then the hand does what the heart has now decided to choose. So when a person is choosing that kind of garment, that kind of style, that kind of attire, it is because the heart has chosen it. Now that's the crucial thing. That's what we have to now reflect upon. That what has the heart chosen? The heart has chosen something that is part of the identity of the people of who don't have any Iman, the Yahud, the Nasara, the heart is choosing that. It's not a minor thing. It's a very serious matter. The heart is choosing it. No matter which way we might look at this and how we might try to explain it, but this is the bottom line, that the heart chose it. Now, why did the heart choose this? That's the question now. Why did the heart choose this? For example, and these are all things we have discussed before, you have various kinds of dressing in different parts of the world. In many African countries, you have the long flowing garments that are worn as part of cultural dress, meaning not by people who have deen and iman. They also are wearing a kind of cultural dress. But that cultural dress, because there is some inherent hayasl in them. So what has come down to them as part of their cultural dress? It is long, flowing and loose. Then it might have some patterns in it and whatever designs and all that. But these three basic elements will be in it. It will be long, flowing and loose fitting. Now, 
one is now what is the dressing that a Muslima has to adopt as part of her dini guidance that has been given but just if for a while we put that on one side which is actually what is the only thing for us there is no other thing for us but just, just to understand this that that is there in its place but now in front of a person with a couple of options one is these western garments and the other is this African dress which has far more haya in it and then maybe some other cultures as well in other parts of the world also have something but you'll find these basic elements in many of them it's long flowing loose footing over time all these things unfortunately are disappearing even in uh, throughout the world in any continent but now a person has these options what will you choose? let us ask the, our hearts what will a person choose? would that choice become the jeans? that tight footing t-shirt? that tight footing garment? that garment which is barely touching the waist? and then the tight footing bottom? where has this come from? and why is this the choice? And what is making this choice? The heart is making this choice. What is in the heart? So now why is the heart choosing this? Now, now the point to think about in the light of that example of the parrot, at the time of moth, what's going to come out? At the time of moth, what's going to come out? Because that's a very crucial time. And at that time, it's only the heart that counts. Everything else will be just on the side. Nothing else is really going to count. Because at that time now, at the time of moth, a person can't sometimes even say anything. He can't do anything. He's almost paralyzed. He can't walk anywhere. Can't... Uh, nothing. And now it's the heart that counts. What's in the heart? And that is going to be the criteria of which direction a person goes in. So now, a very important part of what's going to be in the heart is what identity we maintain all the time. That's going to keep impacting on the heart. So we have to maintain the identity of Islam, of Deen. And we have to adopt that kind of garments and dressing indoors, outdoors that identifies ourselves as Muslimas. Now, just to take back that example of the disaster that happened in Sri Lanka and some other countries as well, many people lost their lives inside their houses. The people when they came from out, they didn't know because this whole place got wiped out, which is a Muslim home, which is not a Muslim home, they had no idea. So now when bodies were removed from homes, they were indoors, but there was no identity, no identity of any sort. So the home didn't have any identity and the person didn't have any identity. So now unfortunately what happened, happened. Now this might be an extreme situation but nevertheless it is something for us to reflect on. As mentioned, within the home there is certain relaxation that's in its place, it's understood. But to adopt a kind of identity which is directly identifiable with the non-Muslims. That is a danger. 
something that makes a person resemble the non-Muslims, that is a serious danger. Because that impacts directly on the heart. And that is what we need to start making a change in. Now, these things start becoming like a virus, a disease. One person starts it, then two, then ten, then hundred. And all start dressing up in front of one another in that same manner. Because will this become the norm? So now they're attending functions in that kind of uh, shameless dressing. And uh, within the home now, in front of the whole family, all are dressed in that manner. Daughter in front of her father, in front of her brothers, she's dressed in the same way. The mother in front of her sons, dressed in that manner, which is clearly a western style, identifiable with the Yahud and Nasara. And now that has become the norm, that has become the standard. This is something that must change. And we must change it urgently. We must change it very fast. Because if not, then this is already the pace it has picked up. One is when water is trickling slowly, but then the volume also increases and the, the gradient also now is going more slopey. Then it starts flowing at a fast pace. And we have seen what water can do. What kind of destruction can wreak. Likewise is this kind of culture. When that gets adopted and it becomes starts gathering momentum and it goes at a faster pace. And now more people, the volume has increased. Allah forbid it will wipe out whole societies. It will wipe out whole societies from the path of the Sunnah, from the identification of Deen, and that has happened. Go to other countries where Muslims in their thousands migrated, for whatever the reasons were, South American countries, but then they took on the culture of the people. It wiped out the entire communities to the extent of you couldn't make out anybody who's Muslim, not Muslim, let alone that, as the generations came, they lost the Kalema as well. Some of them lost their names also. Some had the names still, but they didn't even know, let alone anything else, didn't even know the kalima. Couldn't pronounce the name of Allah correctly. It didn't happen overnight, but it happened over time. And now, if we look back 25 years, it wasn't as bad as it is now. And if you look as back 50 years ago, it was a far cry from what it is now. It was a very different situation. 50 years ago and now is, is like two different worlds. Now this happened in 50 years. But the pace now, the volume of this water has now, dirty water has now grown tremendously. So now it's flowing at a faster pace. What took 50 years to happen, now will happen in 5 years if this is not stopped. Meaning the double the damage will happen in 5 years. Because now this is such a huge volume and gathered pace over time. If we don't start turning the tide now, Allah forbid we'll get washed away, our generations who come will get washed away. So, the need of the moment is for people to take a stand in a very dignified manner, in a respectful manner, without getting into any arguments with anybody, but to take a position that I am never going to compromise my dini Islamic identity. I am going to not adopt anything to do with Western identity. I am going to stay clear out of anything that is identifiable as Western culture, 
western garments, western dressing, western attire, what game came to us from that direction, I am going to totally shun this, because I want to preserve my deen, I want to preserve my identity as a Muslim, I want to stand on the day of Qiyamah, alongside Hazrat Khadija radiallahu ta'ala anha, Hazrat Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha, Hazrat Aisha Siddiqa radiallahu ta'ala anha, I don't want to be identified as some Jane and Mary on the day of Qiyamah. And at the time of Maut, I want to have my Iman intact. So I don't want to have some, such choices in my heart, which are the choices of the West, which are the choices of the Yahud and Nasara. I want to choose from my heart what is the choice of Islam, the choice that will bring me closer to Allah wa Ta'ala, to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. May Allah wa Ta'ala give me and all of us a tawfiq, Allah Ta'ala keep us steadfast on deen, steadfast on the identity of a Muslim, and save us from, from anything that resembles Western culture and takes us in that direction. وَآخِرُ دَعْوَانَا لِلْحَمْدُ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك أنت كما أثنيت على نفسك جزا الله عنا نبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم وصلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه معين والحمد لله